Gets it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson. Marcel with the open net and he scores. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. No, there is no hockey right now, but we still have a lot to talk about as we enter together uncharted territory, and we here at the Locked On Islanders podcast will keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings, whatever is happening with the players, with the NHL and their future plans. We will discuss where the Islanders stand right now. We will discuss... Of course, we'll still have our this date in Islanders history, and we will take a look at how this break is going to affect the Islanders, what the Islanders are going to do, uh, and you know what has to happen when play resumes, if play resumes. So there's still a lot to discuss, and look, let's face it, Islander fans, we've got to stick together, and together we can get through this unusual and unprecedented stoppage. Uh, for the coronavirus as this uh, strange and, and difficult time passes, and we'll get through it together. We really will. We're also going to have some guests on the show. We'll start that tomorrow. We will have Matthew Blitner. He is the author of a great new book, Unforgettable New York Islanders Games and Moments from the Press Box, Ice, and Front Office. Lots of good moments and memorable moments from Islanders history discussed in that one, and he will join us tomorrow uh, on Tuesday's show to discuss his book and some great memories uh, for Islander fans dating all the way back to the team's first season uh, up until fairly recently, and, and just, you know, sharing the perspective of a lot of people who covered the team and a lot of people who played for the team and really just recounting some memorable moments. So make sure you join us on tomorrow's show for that. Always, we welcome your comments, your questions, uh, any topics you'd like to discuss. So we leave that open. And if you want to contact us, the email address, as always, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we'll be happy to Mention you on the air as we discuss your topic of choice or answer your question. So uh, make sure you contact us that way. Again, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, your host, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And uh, we will have the latest news and notes from the Islanders and update you. As soon as we hear something, you will hear something. So stay with us throughout this temporary, hopefully shutdown, and uh, we'll let you know everything that's going on. Uh, and look, let's, let's face it, you know, obviously not having the game that we love 
being played right now is frustrating. It's difficult. You know, when things happen like, you know, uh, whether it was 9-11 or whether it was, uh, you know, this coronavirus uh, pandemic, you usually turn to sports and other forms of entertainment as a diversion, uh, something that helps take your mind off of the, you know, bad economy or the, uh, you know, political events or whatever may be happening that's causing people stress. But right now, you know, all the major sports in the United States and North America shut down, understandably so, because safety has to be the top priority for everybody. And that includes the players. You know, we've had a number of NBA players test positive. We've had a young fan uh, who came into contact with one of the two NBA players test positive for the coronavirus. We had a uh, a college basketball coach, a women's college basketball coach, test positive, uh, and and minor league baseball players. So yeah, you know, even young healthy people like professional athletes can get this disease, and uh, you know, in order to prevent it from spreading, certainly having fifteen thousand, seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand fans getting together in a small area. Not the best idea. And until all the players and coaches and team employees uh, are sure that they're not going to spread the disease, uh, you know, they're not going to resume practice or play or any of that stuff. Now, as of right now, what the NHL has instructed their players to do is to not practice, not get together and even hold, you know, informal practice sessions but to self-quarantine, stay in the cities where they play, and basically, you know, stay away from people to make sure they don't develop the symptoms of the coronavirus. And after that time period passes, the league is going to reassess things. Uh, I expect more conference calls going on with the league the first step would be probably informal skating and other activities. Maybe eventually they will have practice. It is very possible, but again, not sure yet what the plan is going to be. But if and when the league does resume, first of all, they have indicated there will be a time for the players to practice and skate and get back into uh, the best game shape they can get into. So that will certainly be uh, part of it. And then it would not surprise me. Again, I don't have any specific inside information yet, but I would expect that it is likely that when play resumes this season, the first thing we're going to see are games being played in empty arenas where fans are still not encouraged to you know, gather in large groups, but the TV cameras will be there, the officials will be there, and at the very least, we will be able to watch these games from our homes and be entertained by them, even if we're not able to attend them, and it'll be a little strange, no question, to watch hockey being played in empty arenas, but uh, even that is a huge step forward 
over not being able to watch live hockey at all. We will keep you up to date on everything as it happens, and uh, make sure you stay with us. We'll be still doing our five shows Monday through Friday, uh, at least until further notice, so we will keep you updated on that. But make sure you join us for all the latest Islanders news, notes, insights, analysis, and everything else. All right, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Islanders is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Islander fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Islander fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated and has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, we are back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Look, lots to talk about. One thing I wanted to look at right now, uh, just to pose a question and just sort of put it out there. Do, do you think that Adam Pellick right now really is a legitimate candidate to be the Islanders team MVP this season? Think about it. When Pellick was in the lineup and he played in 38 games, the Islanders were in much, much better shape than they are right now. They were playing better hockey. At the end of the day, Adam Pellick was the steadying influence that the glue, so to speak, that held this Islanders team together. No, he wasn't the flashiest player in the world. He's not the guy who's delivering thundering hits that make highlight reels. He wasn't a big offensive producer in the 38 games he played. He scored one goal and had eight assists for a total of nine points. But what Pellick did was provide a lot of minutes and a very strong amount of play in the Islanders' defensive zone. And that combination kept this team effective. Look, when Pellick was injured, the Islanders' record at the time was 25-10-3. 15 games over NHL 500, 12 games over 500 overall. Without Pellick in the lineup, and he was injured December 31st, that was the last game he played in, it was a 4-3 win over the first place Washington Capitals. Since then, the Islanders have played 30 games and they are 10, 13, and 7. So in those 30 games, they're three games under NHL 500, but 
realistically, they've played 30 games without Adam Pellick, and they've lost 20 of them. Yeah, they picked up a point in seven of them, but they are 10 and 20 without Adam Pellick in the lineup. They are 25 and 13 with him in the lineup. So basically, when Pellick is playing, they're winning two out of every three games. When he's not playing, they're winning one out of every three games. And that makes a big difference. And the, the primary thing about not having Pellick available really is this. When Adam Pellick was in the lineup, first of all, Noah Dobson was on the bench as the seventh defenseman. And, you know, Barry Trotz would work him into maybe, you know, two out of every seven games or so, you know, one out of every four games, get him in the lineup when somebody needed a rest or just to keep him sharp or if someone was injured. But they were sort of, you know, just working him in gradually. And it became apparent that Barry Trotz really didn't trust Noah Dobson enough yet to let him play major minutes. And when you have a defenseman who is now in the lineup and is only really able to play 11 minutes a game, what ends up happening is you are wearing down the other five defensemen. They are playing more minutes. They are tiring late in games. They are often switching defense partners because they don't want to have that sixth defenseman on the ice often. So you're mixing and matching your pairings. And realistically, the entire team defense starts to suffer. And this really did undermine the New York Islanders. You know, we have talked on this show so many times about how important it is for the Islanders because they struggle to score goals, their defense and their goaltending have to be top-notch. And during that 17-game point streak in October and November, we saw the Islanders either first or second in the league in goals against. And now they've fallen down to fifth, which isn't bad. Uh, at one point, they were sixth, but they've gotten back up to fifth. But at the end of the day, when you are not scoring a lot of goals, your goaltending and your defense, when you lose your number one defenseman and you were winning games two to one, three to two, one to nothing, all of a sudden those games become one, one, go to overtime and the Islanders lose. Uh, the ability to hold leads, the ability to not get tired late in games is reduced. And as a result, those wins that were, you know, 2-1 games become 2-1 overtime losses or 3-2 overtime losses. And you may get a point. You may not get a point if, if the, you lose in regulation. But this team was always winning games that were very close. It was a razor's edge. It was a slim margin of error. And once Adam Pellick was no longer available, the trickle-down effect was very big. And now what we're seeing more often than not is that opposing teams in Pellick's absence, not only are they able to tire out the Islanders defensemen later in games, but they're able to get 
more quality scoring chances down low. And it's again, not just the uh, number of scoring chances that has gone up, but the quality of those scoring chances. And you look at the numbers, for example, in goal, both Simeon Varlamov and Tomas Grice not putting up the numbers since Pelik was injured that they were before he was injured, and certainly not putting up the numbers they had last season uh, in Grice's case. And certainly Robin Lehner, you know, put up better numbers now than Varlamov is putting up this season. And a big part of that reason is the trickle-down effect from not having Adam Pellick. Now, look, you could talk to me about numbers. You could tell me Matthew Barzal, he leads the team in points but with 60. You could talk about Brock Nelson leading the Islanders in goals with 26. You could tell me the MVP should be Anders Lee, who leads the team in game-winning goals with six, has the 20 goals. You, he's the captain. You can give me all of these different candidates. But I think the absence of Adam Pellick after 38 very strong games has been the biggest difference for the Islanders this year. And to me, right now, his absence shows me that Adam Pellick was most likely the Islanders' MVP, their most important player, their most valuable player so far this season. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to step out. When we come back, we'll do this date in Islanders history. We've got a lot more to get to. Stay with us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to March 16th, 1977 at the old Chicago Stadium. Islanders and the Blackhawks getting set to meet. And it's a showdown between two Hall of Fame goaltenders, Billy Smith in goal for the New York Islanders against Tony Esposito in the nets for the Chicago Blackhawks. Only 9,200 fans on hand in Chicago for this one. It was the Islanders jumping out on top. Gary Howitt, usually more of a grinder and a tough guy, gets his 11th goal of the year at 527 with Jean Potvin and Andre St. Laurent getting the helpers and the Islanders took an early 1-0 lead. Then at 704, Chicago's Bob Murray off for tripping and the Islanders take advantage. Clark Gillies punches home his 31st goal of the year on the power play from Billy Harris and Dennis Potvin at 829 and it was 2 to nothing Islanders, not even midway through that opening period. But the Islanders weren't done yet. The third line strikes. Jude Druan, his 20th goal of the year from J.P. Parise and the captain Ed Westfall. Time of the goal, 18-17. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders had a 3-0 lead over the Chicago Blackhawks. In the second period, the Islanders continued to pull away. Gary Howitt would get his second goal of the game, his 12th of the year. Dave Lewis and John Potvin with the assists at 10:34, so just past the midway point of the hockey game. 4-0 Islanders. 
Then the Islanders get another power play. Chicago's Randy Holt called for tripping at 1345, and it was Howitt completing his hat trick, his 13th of the year from Andre St. Laurent at 1407, and it was 5-0 Islanders. That was how it was after two periods, and that is how the game ended. Islanders 5, Chicago Blackhawks nothing. Islanders outshot in this game 28-24, but Billy Smith 28 saves to earn the shutout, while the Islanders totaled the 24 shots. Multiple point games in this one, obviously the Hat trick for Gary Howitt, his three goals. Then Jean Potvin with two assists. Andre St. Laurent with two assists. And uh, as far as shots on goal were concerned, uh, Brian Trottier had three, as did Dennis Potvin and Gary Howitt, who scored his three goals on exactly three shots. St. Laurent, Jean Potvin, Burt Marshall, and Gary Howitt all led the Islanders with a plus two in this game. And, and basically, uh, the Islanders cruising to victory. The leader in shots on goal overall, defenseman Dick Redmond of the Blackhawks, who tallied seven shots on Billy Smith, but could not beat him. And, you know, the interesting thing after this game, uh, the Islanders not really saying that they played exceptionally well despite the one-sided score. Um, here's Billy Smith and what he said. You can feel the best and not have a good game because you don't get the breaks. I didn't get many breaks today, but I didn't need them. Chicago didn't have sustained pressure. There were no good, no big rebounds. All I had to do was block shots. And then Howitt adds, it was one of those games where things went well. The puck was just bouncing to me and I was in the right place. So the Islanders end up with the five to nothing victory on this date in Islanders history, March 16th, 1977 at Chicago Stadium in Chicago, one of those classic original six rinks around the National Hockey League. All right, that is going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Don't forget, tomorrow we will have author Matthew Blitner joining us. He'll talk about his great book, Unforgettable New York Islanders Games, Moments from the Press Box, Ice and Front Office. Great new book talking about Islanders history. And look, hey, you know, we're in a difficult situation right now. A lot of people stuck at home. Perfect time to go out and purchase a book. You could purchase uh, Matthew's book and, and you know, keep yourself uh, close to Islanders history and thoughts about your favorite team. So, again, we'll be back tomorrow with more. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective of all things happening around the league. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.